first of our four special nights here of mission, um, first first round, and it's good to see each and every one here tonight, and uh, really do hope and pray that um, you'll be blessed over the next few nights as we meet here and worship God. Um, welcome, there's no stranger, but I want to welcome our convener, Colin, Colin Harris, good to have him. also want to welcome uh, Stephanie and Jenny, Jenny can sing here, and Stephanie has at the last minute, uh, stepped in to play for us tonight as well, so she's under pressure tonight. We're working her very hard with this night, but it's good to have them. And I want to give thanks to Helen here too for helping out as we lead our praise. And we're going to sing um, a couple of songs just at the start of our meeting, just to just to settle down and to worship God. And uh, the first one we're going to sing is "All I Want Held Dear," and the words will be up on the screen, and we're going to remain seated. So um, this piece, um, just God calls us to remember that there's nothing that we can do to earn his favor. And we have a salvation through trusting in Jesus Christ. And um, the chorus of this piece says, knowing you, there is no better thing. And there is no better thing in this earth than worshiping our Lord Jesus Christ and trusting, your, trusting him as our savior. So we're all going to sing all I want.
want to sing this fall down to bed you'll probably try to wear on the one piece and just to remind that God does care for us individually we are special because Jesus chose to die that we might be forgiven singing well, but I think we could do better. <laughs> so we're going to sing another one. This time we're going to sing a song known as Faithful One. Um, maybe not just as well known as some of the other ones, but uh, the words are great. And through, you know, though we are uh, faithless in so many things that we do, uh, God is unchanging in his faithfulness in everything. And, we, and all of the trust belongs to him. So we're going to try Faithful One.
Friends, lovely to see you tonight, and just to add to Colin and Heather's welcome, uh, and I do trust you'll be able to come tomorrow night and Saturday and Sunday if you can. It'd be lovely to see you and to see folk gathering in coming up to the weekend. Uh, thank you for coming, and do trust that you'll be blessed as we meet together in the presence of the Lord. Uh, God was here before we arrived, and he He welcomes us. We don't welcome him. He welcomes us into his presence uh, to think on him, to reflect on his word, and to look into our own hearts and just to, to, to see just where we stand before him. The gospel is a wonderful message, the most important message the world will ever hear. And it's important because it's a person. It's God himself the Son of God who came to love us in his life and in his death and to bring eternal life. And friends, we think over these next few nights, we think of the cost of our salvation. Tomorrow night we think of the payment, how that was won for us. And then we think of the end, the cross itself and the end of Jesus' earthly life, but that was the victory of God. And to think of the beginning, the resurrection morning, and we have life eternal because he is alive, never to die again. That's our theme, looking at uh, verses from the gospel according to Mark. Friends, we have an opportunity to stand together and to sing uh, an opening praise. And our focus is upon Jesus, who is the word of God, the Father, we stand and sing.
friends, we still our hearts before God as we come in prayer. Let us pray. Lord, we bless you for how you have been gracious to us on life's journey and for many opportunities to open a Bible, to hear a message, to have a word that we can handle that has been breathed out from heaven, your word, your truth. And Lord, that you've given that freely to us. And so tonight, Lord, at the beginning of our time in Mark's gospel, we pray, Lord, that you'll come and visit us each in a special way. That in our minds, we'll be able to focus upon great truths that we read and contemplate that you'll minister by your spirit to our hearts, that we will understand the depth of your love for us more and more, and that we will have grace to respond to that love. And Lord, we pray that your spirit will reach down deep into the soul, the real us, And Lord, grant us peace deep within. We know, O Lord, that peace is found in God and God alone. And may we find that glory of Jesus captivating us. And by your spirit, allowing us to depend completely upon him. We will not only have a profession of faith in our hearts, but a security of that deep in the soul. That no matter what a day brings, a week, a year, ten years, no matter our experiences from this time on in life, we will know that we belong to God. And in his mercy, God to us the one who will never let his children go. Let that experience of peace deepen, O God. At the end of our time on Sunday evening, Lord, let us each leave rejoicing in the God who has been good to us. We pray, O God, that there will be those whose names are written in Jesus' book that book in heaven, the Lamb's book of life, written by his hand, never to be erased. Lord, hear our prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen. It's lovely to have Jenny and her mum, Stephanie, who's on the piano tonight. And Jenny's going to sing with her mum, The Goodness of God, and then Known and Loved.
the moment that I wake up until I lay my head. So I will dream of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I from
thanks, Jenny, for bringing those lovely pieces. I didn't know the second one now, but I'd heard the first one before. So thanks for bringing those to us tonight. Friends, uh, we come to read God's Word, and if you want to follow in a Bible or just simply sit and listen, um, I'll be referring to this passage just in a short time when we consider God's Word together. Mark chapter 10 and reading from verse 17. We read of Jesus meeting a rich young man and what happened as they have a chat together. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. We end there at verse 27. I watched a program on TV a little while back. Uh, it was really by accident. And it was about some of the world's most expensive homes. And there's one thing that really struck me about this particular home. It was in California. It was owned by uh, an incredibly wealthy Chinese businessman. Uh, the house was worth $100 million. Now, that in itself just seems rather unthinkable. But underneath there was a great basement and there were, it was a Ferrari and a Lamborghini and a Rolls Royce and Porsches and all sorts of things, 12 different cars, some massive Jeeps, Hummers and things like that. Um, but the thing that really struck me in this home being described was the cost of its upkeep. It cost $2 million a year 
Most of that went on insurance. Now, I suppose when you think about it, if the home was $100 million and it burnt down, if you were going to insure that, you'd want to have a fairly pre- pretty hefty premium on that. So with gardeners and, and people just to keep the place secure and the, uh, the insurance on it, it was $2 million a year just to keep it sitting there. And the Chinese owner perhaps just spent one or two weeks a year in it. I suppose it begs the question, if you were asked to have something, just one thing of great value, what would it be? Certainly a big house like that, to my mind, would give me more headaches than it would pleasure. Uh, And I'd be worried. I suppose the more people have, then the more can be taken from them. And the more at risk people can seem to be. What would be the most important thing that you and I could have? This man came to Jesus and he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Eternal life is something by definition that cannot end. It is always there. It is an everlasting thing. And Jesus defines his life in the Gospel of John as life in all its fullness. We can think of many times on our earth's journey where we've been excited, when we've been encouraged, when we've been glad, when we've been happy. Other times when we've been sad and disappointed and hurt. But those good days, we do look back on with great, a great sense of thanksgiving and gladness. But what about eternal life? Something beyond our, our ability to grasp really today. To be perfect in our mind. Perfect in our speech. To be perfectly able to do all that is set out before us in eternity. To be perfect. No tears, no pain, no weakness, no sickness, no sadness, no trouble, no death. But to be in God's presence forever. And certainly in the book of Revelation where the the throne of God is is depicted, there, there are words used there in the original which are quite unusual. They're words which speak of an ever expanding experience. The, the angels, as they sing their praise to God, it's ever ascending. The, the, the idea there is that it's almost as if they're able to invent new words to describe God. You know, sometimes you see a very beautiful scene and you think of a few phrases that might describe it. Well, in heaven, the picture is that we will be finding more and more ways to describe God's grace. Eternal life. This man asks about it. But in verse 22, he goes away sad. He's come to Jesus. He's asked him a question. They've had a little discourse. And he goes away sad. Why is that? Why did this man come to Jesus? 
might not go away happily. But let's just look at the verse and, and let's just try to take ourselves there and to picture what's happening. Jesus is there on the road with his disciples and this man comes. Now, we're not told anywhere in the passage that he um, is rich, but Jesus speaks about his wealth. So no doubt this man was dressed as a rich man would dress, a rich young man. And he comes and, and he, he falls down on his face before Jesus. And he speaks with respect and giving honor. He calls him good. And of course, Jesus then says, now, why are you calling me good? Is it because you think I am God? Because only God is good. Or are you just being polite? Why are you coming to me? Jesus asks this young man. And of course, the man asks the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus goes through some of the commandments with him. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said, teacher, I've done all these since I was a boy. Now this young man, however he got his wealth, he seemingly has got it honestly, either by um, inheriting it or, or, or by, by his own endeavor. Because he's quite happy to say that he hasn't defrauded. He hasn't given false testimony. He's obviously been a religious man who, who wanted to honor God in keeping the laws that God had given in the Old Testament. We read here that Jesus loved him. But then he said, there's one thing you lack. Now, when Jesus said there's one thing he lacked, that didn't mean it was the only thing. Um, you can imagine someone playing netball or playing football. And um, a coach might say to a netball a girl, might say something like, uh, you don't mark terribly well. Um, that's one thing that's a, that's a problem in your game. But she mightn't be able to throw the ball terribly well either. But just because one thing's mentioned doesn't mean there are other things. Or someone can be in a football pitch and, and um, you're not terribly good at crossing the ball. That's one thing. You're not terribly good at heading it either. Another. So just one thing doesn't mean only one thing. But Jesus wants to highlight something. He says, there's one thing you lack. I want you to go and sell all your possessions and give to the poor. Then come. And follow me. And we read that the man went away sad. It seems to me that this man was a very honorable sort of young man. Jesus didn't challenge him in any of the things that, that he said he was seeking to do and wanting to be God honoring. But he had failed to see the most important thing. And this man's, perhaps his religion, perhaps his achievements in life, and perhaps the joy he had in his wealth 
those were the things that really captivated him. And do you see what Jesus is saying to him? He's saying, I want you to, to get rid of all those things. And then all you'll have is me. Come, follow me. Would that be enough? Would you be happy to get rid of everything and just have me? And that's the challenge that Jesus was bringing to this young man. Now, the scriptures don't tell us to sell all we have and give to the poor. We're to look after the poor. But that was the specific thing Jesus wanted this young man to think about. What's really important in your life? Is it your religious observance of the laws of God as you feel you've kept them? Is it your achievements in life? Are you bringing those to God in a sense to have some sort of favor from God? What is it that makes you tick? Jesus is saying to this young man. If all that was taken from you and you just had me, would that be enough? And the man went away sad. I suppose when we read a story like this, we can have an innate sort of sympathy for this young man, can't we? And we can maybe feel ourselves having a certain affinity with him. You know, he... he Seemingly hadn't got his money with by ill-gotten gain. He'd maybe worked hard or inherited it. Um, he certainly wanted to honor God. He was trying to observe the laws of God. He'd come to Jesus, but he'd come to Jesus because he was afraid there was something missing. And there was, because really everything was missing. The one thing he really needed was God's grace. And isn't it true, the more religious people try to be, the more they realize that, oh, who am I to, to, to do anything to try to impress a holy God? I'm a sinner. And I can't do anything to take my sins away. So no matter what I do, I'm still a sinner before God. And if heaven is a perfect place, how on earth can I ever enter that place in my sin? My attempt to keep God's law is right, but it doesn't take away my sin. My concern for the poor is right, but it doesn't take away my sin. What I need is grace. I need God to be gracious. See, if we take the spotlight off this young man and put it on Jesus, we see something very different. This young man was very rich, but Jesus was rich beyond definition. And reading through the book of Revelation, you come 
several instances of the throne of God. And the angels around that throne crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And they define Jesus in words that we can only begin to try to explain. He who is the eternal son of the eternal God, the author of creation, the all-powerful one, the one who is rich beyond any measure. And he comes to this young man and says, what will you give up for me? Isn't Jesus saying, I have given up everything for you. I have left the realm of heaven. I have left the accolade of the angels. I have left all the glory that was mine beyond the universe, beyond the cosmos. I came to a stable and I'm going to a promise. I am giving everything for you. What would we not give to him? And perhaps the most amazing thing of this is that Jesus doesn't need anything from us. There's nothing that we could give to him that would enhance who he is. He needs absolutely nothing from us. And what he calls us to release to him are things that we need to do without. He will never take anything from us that will diminish who we are. He will only take from us what we need to be rid of. Now for this man, it wasn't his wealth. But it was that attitude in his mind and heart that his delight was really in perhaps his achievements, his ability to keep the laws he thought, his wealth, his enjoyment of that wealth. And a little bit of religious assurance on the side would just be good for him. But that's not how people come to Jesus. They come and say, Lord, take everything away from me. And all I'll have left is you. And that's more than enough. For this man, it was too much for him. What about us? What does Jesus want to take from us? He wants to take from us any sense in our minds and hearts that there's something that we can do to enhance our position before God or to earn God's favor. That's the first thing he wants to take. A false understanding of what it is to be right with God. And anything that's false, that's something good to be rid of. He also wants to take 
our sin away. And the consequences of that sin, which is an eternal lostness from God. He also wants to take away our feelings. This gift of eternal life. Just two words. Eternal life. Is, is more than we could ever begin to define. Remember that lovely hymn by John Newton, Amazing Grace. John Newton was a slaver. He was a very bitter man. He was a foul-mouthed. He was a drinker, a brawler. He bundled African men on slave ships and took them across to the New World, to America. But he'd grown up with his grandmother who loved the Lord and had taught him hymns and verses from the scriptures. He'd longed for God. But he fell overboard, drunk. He was harpooned in the leg and dragged back on the ship. And in the belly of that ship, he remembered what he'd been taught. And he came and gave his life to Jesus became a great preacher in England and penned many hymns. And if you think of a, a foul-mouthed, brutal slave trader penning words like amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. Then that last verse, when we've been there ten thousand years, bright, shining as the sun, we've no less daring to sing God's Where will we be in 10 years? Where will we be in 100 years? Where will we be in 10,000 years? John Newton knew where he would be. And after those 10,000 years, he would have no less days to sing. salvation that cost Jesus everything to purchase it for sinners like us what does it cost us it costs us to release what we either cannot or should not hold out false view of ourselves before a holy God. The sin and the condemnation that sin brings. The fear of not being right with God. 
calls us to come and trust. To simply trust him at his word. To come in a repentance of our sin. And to know deep within that his blood washes us clean. This young man went to Wilsack. we might have a different church. We might go away glad because we've heard this speaking word. God does through his word. And we know that he is drawing us because he has the best for us. And he's the end. Friends, let's pray together. Father, we bless you that long ago Jesus loved this young man. But yet he couldn't release what he thought he could hold on to. Father, we pray that by your spirit that none of us tonight will do the same thing. Lord, we pray that you will come by your spirit. And even as we hear the sinner's prayer echo in our minds, that if this is right for me tonight, Lord, let me echo that in my heart. Lord, you are the God of all. You've made me in your image and I am fallen in my sin. But I bless you that you came to earth in the same flesh I have and you lived the life I should live and died the death I should die. I thank you, Lord, for the gospel call to repent and believe. And I do that in my heart before you now. I repent of all my sin, things I know and things I don't know, just all of them. Please forgive me. And I come in faith, trusting in you alone, that you might cover me in your righteousness, you might make me fit for heaven, that you might write my name in your book there. Lord, be pleased to bless my heart this night, that I might bless you for the rest of my life, and that in 10,000 years, I will have no less day to sing your praise. Lord, hear my prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen.
friends, our mission over these few nights uh, doesn't have any outlaying costs for it. Um, so there, there are offering plates at the door, and if you'd like to give uh, anything on any of the nights, uh, every penny that will be given will be going to help the folk in Ukraine. So um, I think it's good for us to do that, just at a time of mission when we're giving thanks to God and coming before him that we want to try and help others. So every penny that's given these four nights uh, will be making its way to help the folk in Ukraine in this unspeakably traumatic time for them and as winter is fast approaching. Friends, we sing our closing praise before the throne of God above. And before that throne, our perfect plea is Jesus himself. As we sing, let that love from our hearts ascend to heaven. Let us pray. Lord, we bless you for the privilege of being in your presence. To hear your word. To think upon it. Be pleased, O Lord, that your spirit will ever strive with us. That we will know that message not only in our minds, but in our hearts and deep in the soul. Our faith in Jesus. Hear our prayer for his name's sake.